welcome back to Off The Fence. I'm James Fox. We're back again. No one really wanted it. We kind of put off showing up again, but we are here. I'm Alex Maskell. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for listening if you are listening for the first time. Obviously, this is a podcast about politics and we've got some Brexit stuff coming up later. Um, but quite a few stories that aren't directly Brexit related, which I'm looking forward to diving into. Yeah, yeah. Of all this... a brief moment of respite. Yeah. Just, you know... The summer is here, there should be other stories going on, but still Brexit just dominates. Um, So specifically, we're going to be talking about Jo Swinson, Liberal Democrat leader, and some of the manoeuvres she's been taking on blocking no deal or not blocking no deal. Hell yeah, the the games of chicken within games of chicken surrounding (laughs) Brexit. There's a very uh, interesting turn on Game of Thrones there. Let's just call British politics game of chicken because that's essentially where we're at right now um, but yeah this is off the fence uh thanks for listening if you're with us you can follow us on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and on twitter we're at off the fence talk other things coming up we recorded a segment all about the situation with jeffrey epstein and particularly his connections to prince andrew yeah. which had just come out and about half an hour after recording that episode last week or so it was announced that he died. Yeah, <laughs> he, he died from kneeling very hard and hanging himself from about five foot in the air. Yeah, or, you know, in air quotes that you can't see listening to this podcast, suicide. So yeah, his connections with Prince Andrew, who was, uh, and other acquaintances of his, like uh, President Trump. Prince Andrew, I think, subsequently said, oh, I've never seen anything, you know, anything bad when I was around Jeffrey Epstein. Um which, like, if by all accounts, if you go to his apartment, you will have seen some stuff that was bad. Yeah. Not necessarily in the, like, reaping children mode, but certainly some weird shit. That yeah. whole case, I don't know, halted because of his death? I mean, is, is there anything that carries on with it? The civil cases are considering the criminal cases are, I don't think, con- uh, uh, like, continuing on. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the civil cases bring up in Discovery. Mm. Uh, but also just... No, like, if you thought that any of the people involved with this were going to get found out or any of this was, like, the moment it was out of the bag was, like, when the Daily Beast, which you can take issue with, but it is a serious news site, publishing a writer who had been covering Jeffrey Epstein's case uh, from even before there was a case, uh, when she did a very abrupt and very, like, with a very creepy story behind it, profile for him for Vanity Fair. When she, about 15 years later, continued the story for the Daily Beast, she reported that Alex Acosta, the current Labour secretary, I believe, who uh, famously gave Jeffrey Epstein an incredibly light uh, and massively immunising prison sentence the first time he was caught, told the Trump transition team, in assuring them that that light deal wouldn't be a problem for the administration, that he was told that Jeffrey Epstein belonged to intelligence and that it was above his pay grade and that he should just let him, he should just uh, let it be. And so, bearing in mind that this was reported by a serious group, like my natural skepticism towards, and like fascination with, but skepticism towards conspiracy theories just goes out the window because, like, if that's a thing that can credibly be reported, we live in conspiracy worlds. Yeah, God. So, like... It's it's like if you wanted to create a conspiracy, this is how it would happen. Like, the, the perfect kind of, like, Petri dish. Well, conspiracies <laughs> do happen. Like, uh, MKUltra yeah, cool. happens. Yeah. The, like, have... COINTELPRO happens. The Iran-Contra scandal happened. The incident that sparked the Vietnam War, the Gulf of Tonkin, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are... Oh, I mean, basically every war, like, every major international conflict since, really, World War... Like... 
since that's happened since World War Two has been largely gained through some kind of faked intelligence. Yeah. But even beyond that, like the the uh, the business plot was real, probably like probably like it was the case that the Nixon campaign deliberately quashed uh, like the Paris Peace Accords over Vietnam in order to assure that they would win the election. Conspiracies do happen. It's just that their scale is normally not as big as this potentially is. Gosh. And this is the part where like actual conspiracy and conspiracy theory blurs, and this one is right on that border in a way that something shouldn't be. We mentioned President Trump a moment ago. Anyway, he's someone that knew Jeffrey Epstein. Donald Trump this morning has said, suggested multiple times it's been released, that the US could potentially nuke hurricanes. To do what? <laughs> I think this long-standing... Apparently, this is like a, a, long, a thing that's been going around in kind of conspiracies and like crank science for like decades about trying to halt the hurricanes coming across the Atlantic. And it's all bullshit. But this morning, Axios uh, reported this story saying uh, there are sources who have heard the president's private remarks uh, and been briefed on a National Security Council memorandum that recorded those comments. Trump said, I got it. I got it. Why don't we nuke them? <laughs> That's according to one source. <laughs> one source who is there. The quote goes on. I think it's paraphrased by them. Uh, quote: They start forming off the coast of Africa as they're moving across the Atlantic. We drop a bomb inside the eye of the hurricane and it disrupts it. Why can't we do that? Question mark. I mean, there's. Where do you start with that? There's so many. There's. There's. It's not even you like start there's, by fucking doing yeah. it. That sounds <laughs> badass. It's not even like there's so many reasons why you don't do that. But like, the thought process that gets you to saying those words in those order. Asked how the briefer reacted, the source recalled he said something to the effect of, "Quote, sir, we'll look into that." <laughs> Hell and yeah. by God, did they not look into it? <laughs> I mean, of course, they've looked into it. It's pretty settled. Oh, um, Trump replied by asking incredulously how many hurricanes the US could handle, reiterating his suggestion that the government intervene before they make landfall. Uh, the briefer, quote, was knocked back on his heels. The source in the room added, you could hear a gnat fart in the meeting. Uh, people were astonished. After the meeting ended, ended we thought, what the fuck? What do we do with this? I mean, who wouldn't think those words? Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't have been thinking those words since he gained office? Yeah. Apparently, this goes back to the Eisenhower administration. There were some nut scientists who thought we could maybe bomb or potentially nuke hurricanes or something like that. And it's been proved like multiple times over the years that that would not work. Scientists have been like putting out FAQ stuff, like frequently asked questions about hurricanes. Uh, and it's just like, this would not work every time. They're... Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen classics like Godzilla, Independence Day, 2012, and The Day After Tomorrow, but that one rogue scientist is always the correct <laughs> one. I don't know how we can be letting this slide. So I've not seen the film Sharknado either. But apparently this is somewhere along the lines related to the plot of that film. <laughs> which is how the sharks get blown into the tornado, which is why it becomes a sharknado. <laughs> Fuck, that's brilliant. Uh, Fuck, that rules. I love it. Let's, let's do it. Obviously, the White House responded with, you know, a quote, we don't really comment on those sorts of things. Private discussions, national security matters. 
Um, but apparently, according to Axios, again, a different senior administration source said this. <laughs> what people near the president do is they say, I love a president who asks questions like that, who's willing to ask tough questions. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, what I saw on Twitter was that he's actually denied it since then. He's claimed ah. that this was complete nonsense, that he would never, never propose such a transparently silly yet awesome see thing. where i see that is that's him going he, he's actually had the, for the first time in his life self-awareness and he knows that everyone is finding this ridiculous and now he's gonna go i didn't really say that but that's so out of character for donald trump i mean i, th I think even calling it self-awareness he's probably seen oh this is bad press i'm going to push back against this bad press i think the idea that any self-reflection or Oh God, did I buy into yeah. something? <laughs> that level of self-reflection and self-doubt is not something I think he has no. capacity for. It, that senior administration source continued saying, it takes strong people to respond to him in the right way when stuff like this comes up. Stuff like this comes up, right? <laughs> but someone didn't respond to him in a strong way. No. They they humoured him rather than yeah. saying, sir, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Because if you. you said that to him, You'd be out. and Yeah, like, he would get he, someone else to fight. He can't take criticism. No. Uh, this the source goes on. For me, alarm bells weren't going off when I heard about it, but I did think somebody is going to use this to feed into the president is crazy narrative. But the president is clearly crazy, yes. given that this happened. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's, it's incredible that, like, the shamelessness of these people, that they can just go, oh, so just because the president wants to nuke various, uh, like, tornadoes, that makes him like a crazy conspiracy theorist who listens to entirely non-credible sources for his information, does it? Well, yes. In another story, it's kind of been the biggest thing that's been on social media and everywhere this week, globally, worldwide, is obviously the destruction of the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. Yeah. A key figure, not too dissimilar from President Trump in some ways, is the leader of that country, Bolsonaro. Probably much worse. Yeah. Many are saying that he's really kind of encouraging these fires. Well, yeah, because the farmers want more space to graze cattle. They can't uh, take down the Amazon because it's protected. Oh no, the Amazon has caught fire. Whatever to do. Mm. And obviously, the Amazon rainforest is a big producer of oxygen. It tackles. I mean, without without the the Amazon rainforest, you could say a large part of climate change would be accelerated to some degree. Oh, vastly. Yeah, it's a tragedy waiting to happen, and it's not just it's not something new. It's certainly not something new whatsoever, but it's something that is accelerating now far, far more than it has done in previous years. Yeah. Again, climate change, the fossil fuel industry in this country, we talk about fracking a fair bit. It's been... Because we just had the largest uh, fracking related exactly. earthquake we've ever had. In Lancashire, interestingly, the only site in the country where fracking's managed to go ahead, despite local residents not being for it. Uh, the, I think the local council previously, um, we talked about this, were against it, but it was kind of pushed by the Westminster Tory government. Um, this is near Blackpool in Lancashire. The 2.9 magnitude quake that was recorded this morning near the Quadrilla site uh, is believed to be the biggest fracking-related tremor seen in Britain. And the last one, of course, stopped fracking being done in the UK for the better part of a decade and wasn't this big. Well, the last, the biggest one before this morning was, yeah. was Saturday as well. Oh. There was another one. This is the third quake in five days. Oh, okay. Uh, from this same site. Wow, this seems like again the beginning of a film like Independence Day <laughs> or the God or Godzilla or the Day After Tomorrow or 2012. 
for those that don't know, I feel like this should always be mentioned because it's kind of technical stuff, but hydraulic fracturing is the injection of chemicals and water and liquid into rocks deep into the earth to then kind of break it up and extract shale gas for burning. A fossil fuel, which then, you know, that continues to emit CO2 and, you know, not exactly help the situation with climate? No, 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 you don't understand, uh, Fox. Someone's going to invent something and mm. it's all going to be fine. We don't have to change anything or reinvest away from fossil fuels who coincidentally give the people in power in this country huge amounts of money and are actively invested and, like, figures in the government because someone's going to invent something and everything's going to be fine. So it doesn't matter that the Amazon is burning because someone's going to invent something and then everything's going to be fine. So don't worry about it. Just the let everything go on the way it is because it definitely isn't a sort of hellish spiral uh, led by a sort of uh, petro-capitalist death cult. I mentioned there were two other tremors, right? Sure. The one this morning. There was one on Thursday. Previous two tremors were recorded as the strongest at the time as well. Uh, on Wednesday, operations were paused for 18 hours after what it called a, quote, micro-seismic event of magnitude 1.55. And whenever there's a 0.5 level uh, seismic event, then hydraulic fracturing has to be halted for 18 hours. You, you know, that's the regulation that's put in place. On Saturday, an even larger 2.1 magnitude tremor was reported. Um, so there was no fracking over the weekend and there was none going on Monday morning when this new, even bigger one, which was first recorded as 2.6, but was then revised to 2.9, took place. Um, Quadrilla, what did they say? Minor ground movements of this level are to be expected. Yeah, that's kind of why everyone's opposed to yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> the expectation does not mean it's a good thing. Like, this is this is so revealing of the thing. The, the, the virtue of something is not in, is this good or bad? It's, is this according to plan? And the idea being that the people who plan things in our society couldn't possibly want anything bad for us. And this kind of just goes to show, fuck your plan. Like, stop. This needs to stop because it's like... This is like the bullshit reason that Krypton uh, broke up that they came up with for Man of Steel. And it's just <laughs> getting worse. The Quadrilla spokesperson continued, While this event has been felt by people on our site and some local households, it is well below anything that can cause harm or damage to anyone or their property. Fuck you. There's a lot of quotes of um, alarmed residents um, that are not happy about it and saying that they, you know, they checked their houses. There's no reports of anyone having any damage or anything. That that's that quote from the Quadrilla spokesperson kind of um, illustrating that, but it's worsening, and the fact that these tremors are going on now and there's no fracking going on, it's stopped, but it's getting quakes are continuing and kind of rising in their severity. You know, people should be worried about this. I remember the fracking czar. Do you remember that when she resigned? Yeah, yeah, a while because back. she had direct ties. Yeah, and she was saying, oh, there's too much misinformation and too much like everyone's pinning them down too hard the regulations are too tight i remember her referencing lot what it was like in america it's like well in america they've got like a much higher threshold before fracking has a stop you know whether it's like three four five on the on the richter scale and she was like yeah so we you know they're fine with it um why can't we have i'm pretty sure it's worse in america and all the stories that are coming out of fracking over there yeah. are even worse because there's less regulation <laughs> yeah because fracking is bad it's just Oh, it's just, I found that quite hilarious, the way she um, she seemed to be like, well, you know. Uh, yeah, the problem is that you guys aren't chill. Yeah. 
it's like what well, they've got it fine in America and they've got higher they've got a higher limit over there. So you know, yeah, we should why be having are you a higher being limit. a buzzkill. <laughs> It's not, you know, you've got to examine what the situation's like with the different rules in place, not just simply the different rules. Last story before we talk about the inevitability of Brexit. Two members of the Royal Navy are members of a far-right group with links to a banned terrorist organisation. Kind of shocking. Military links to the far-right. It's not a new story. A while ago, there was a bunch of squaddies posing with Tommy Robinson that caused a big thing. But this came from a recent Hope Not Hate uh, infiltration. They've done a couple of these uh, now, and and they've they've done some really valuable work. But uh, this one comes from, I believe, Generation Identity. Yes, and it's not just... You might be thinking, Royal Navy, two members of the Royal Navy. It's not just, you know, your average, you know, in the Royal Navy. It's a little bit more severe than that. An undercover informant for the anti-fascist group Hope Not Hate infiltrated the UK branch of the pan-European identitarian movement, gaining access to thousands of internal messages. He met a Royal Navy sailor who revealed that he was about to take up a posting on a submarine armed with Trident nuclear missiles. Okay, that's escalated. This is in The Observer. The meeting took place at the annual conference for Generation Identity UK. Um, And obviously, like you say, they're that pan-European identitarian movement, kind of obsessed with mass immigration and very much running on that great replacement theory that's yeah they're very that's their thing and it's worth mentioning that these guys are the uk branch of generation identity is bad enough that it's been disavowed by the other branches of generation identity mostly because uh they associated with the anti-semitic youtuber millennial woes among others uh but it also turns out according to the same report that they have uh, figures involved or adjacent to their group who were involved with National Action, uh, which was a prescribed militant neo-Nazi group. Uh, they were banned a short while ago, and their people have ended up in a number of different places. Some of them have ended up in uh, the sort of uh, British version of uh, the Nazi extremist group uh, Atomwaffen Division, which I believe our one's called the Sonnenkrieg Division. Um, there are there are a bunch of those that are uh, like all over the place, but there are they they have a a couple of dozen members in this country, I think, and um, so a, a couple of national action people ended up over there. In addition, a bunch of them have ended up in Generation Identity, and even like if you read the article about this, even some of the other Generation Identity people are uncomfortable with the national action people. Uh, they're widely considered to be pretty fucked up dudes. And that Generation Identity UK branch, if you want to call it that, that has been disavowed by the European ones. Yeah, but... and it's worth mentioning that the European ones, are like, they are still bad enough <laughs> yeah. that Martin Selmer, who's the guy who runs Generation Identity and the sort of, that general uh, movement uh, over in the Europe, like, he's banned from coming to the UK because he's such a racist extremist. Yeah. The UK one... Um have now affiliated with The Britain, which is the UKIP splinter party. Yeah, that's Anne-Marie Waters' party, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Links to Tommy Robinson, all that stuff. Um, back to this story, though. The informant added that the recruit he met at last month's second-ever UK conference of Generation Identity alleged that his membership of GI was widely known in the service. The quote from the informant is, he says the Navy knows he is a member of GI, he claims all the officers are racist, and uh, the informant spent five months inside the group. I mean, that's pretty bold claims from um, that particular Navy sailor. But 
these sorts of people do have that psyche of thinking there's more people that agree with me than they actually do. But also, like, the British army is a massively historically yeah. racist institution. So it's, it's literally the thing that enforced the largest empire in human history. It's a massively historically racist organization, and there's literally no reason to believe that it would not be, like, a place with widestream ra- uh, like widespread racism to this day. This this guy's thing would appear to confirm that, yeah. but it's not something that should, I think, surprise anyone. The Navy have come out with, obviously, quotes in reaction to this saying, we don't support extremist ideology of any sort. Anyway, before we move on to the main story, there's some new stuff for the podcast. We've got an off-the-fence soundboard going. Um, do you want to hear what's in the can? We should I mention mean, this first one, actually, is quite new, so it's kind of... I'm going to be judging you based on this. So I mean, like... I'm sure people might have heard this clip so far. My long friend, time friend, and she's a friend. She's been my friend in and out of public life. That is Vice President Joe Biden. And that's not how you. Yeah, dying brain. That's not how you deliver an introduction to anyone. <laughs> um, I just I played that randomly in a room to some people, and they, they had no idea what it was because that's just when I heard it on my phone, and people just burst out laughing just because it sounds hilarious. Yeah. Could you imagine if I mean, you could if you could epitomise a face plant? whilst introducing someone else, that's what it would sound like. When you told me that you had a Biden clip, I thought that you would have the clip where he says, like, our health plan will not be the best, it will only be the cheapest. <laughs> like, very confidently. Uh, my long friend, time friend, and she's a friend, she's been my friend in and out of public life. So You're... he's saying she's his friend? Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's his friend, really, actually. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll get more stuff to add to the soundboard. I've got one other, actually, from 2017 during the election when Theresa May um, answered my question directly on ITV. I want to get out there and about. That's what this is about. About why she wouldn't debate Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, She wanted to get out and about and about and out. Well, it works. She won. (laughs) She clearly won that election. Anyway, let's move on to Brexit and Joe Swinson, leader of the Liberal Liberal Democrats, um, she's put out a letter this morning, and it's ahead of cross-party talks that are happening tomorrow uh, between kind of the opposition parties about how they can block a no-deal Brexit that um, may be delivered by Boris Johnson. There's going to be a no-confidence vote coming up very shortly in uh, Boris Johnson's government. Jeremy Corbyn has announced that, that he's going to be tabling that at the earliest possible um, time where it will stand any chance of success. Probably going to be September 3rd, 4th or 5th, somewhere around there. We talked about before what that will trigger in terms of a process. But initially, you know, if there's any sort of progress with that at all, it would need to be a successful vote of no confidence in his government. In that letter from Joe Swinson to Mr Corbyn uh, this morning, she says, insisting you lead that emergency government that might take place after that vote of no confidence will therefore jeopardise the chances of a no confidence vote gaining any support in the first place um, to pass. She also says, as you have said that you would do anything to avoid no deal, I hope you're open to a discussion about how conceding this point may open the door to a no confidence vote succeeding. Its success must be the priority. So what she's saying is, if we're going to have a no confidence vote in the government, um, some Tories might not actually go the whole way and vote to bring down the government in order to stop no deal because it could let Jeremy Corbyn become prime minister. And this is the whole thing we've had forever about conservatives and centrists do you want to block no deal Brexit or do you want to block Corbyn? You've got to decide one or the other, which is the one you hate the most. Because if you really, really won't stop no deal because you're scared of Corbyn getting in, then 
there is no division in the Conservative Party on that end of things. If you're not going to put your money where your mouth is and you're not actually going to vote to bring it down, then clearly Corbyn will unite the Tory party against him. And they're not actually going to have this kind of Brexit And once mishap. again, unite the Liberal Democrats with well, yeah. the Conservative yeah. party. You know, it's just... And the idea that the leader of the opposition shouldn't, you know, be the main guy to lead... <laughs> that government going after that and it should actually be some obscure backbench. We talked about this yeah. last week. This whole government and national unity thing is a bit of a joke. But clearly, if anyone was to run it, it would probably be Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, because, like, I mean, you can see the, like, if you don't really think about politics, you can see, well, uh, for a, like, a government of national unity, the person that the, you know, the Tory party are officially competing against probably can't be the head of a government of national unity. And it's like, well, they are still by far the most legitimate person to adopt yeah. it. Anyone else would effectively be arbitrarily picked. Let's just follow Joe Swinson on this. Let's let's follow her argument. Okay, well, if it's not going to be Jeremy Corbyn, presumably it's going to be another party leader, right? No. She wants it to be someone like Harriet Harman. Well, or, of course, because she wants someone like Harriet Harman to be legitimised over Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, or, even more absurdly, Tory MP Ken Clark. Uh, okay. Who, it's worth mentioning, <laughs> like, doesn't want to... To stop Brexit yeah, entirely. doesn't want to stop Brexit. So she, just... Yeah, it's just... Ken Clark is on record as backing a soft Brexit. Go back to the indicative votes yeah. not so long ago. His, you know, plan, the customs union plan from Ken Clark... That was the closest plan to passing. It didn't pass by three votes. It was the closest one to getting a majority. Labour whipped for it. Labour were for his plan. Um, what did the Lib Dems do? They either voted against or abstained. One Lib Dem voted for Ken Clark's plan. That was Norman Lamb. A bunch of others abstained. But who voted against Ken Clark's plan? Joe fucking Swinson did. Yeah. As yeah, well as Ed Davey and a few other Lib Dems. But most importantly to this discussion, Joe Swinson voted against it. So she voted against Ken Clark's plan for Brexit. And now she wants to put Ken Clark in as a prime minister to handle Brexit from here on in. Okay. I mean, turn her face. Maybe she's changed her mind. But it's kind of doesn't show much consistency on that regard. Yeah. Especially since their entire thing is we've been consistent yeah. on Brexit the entire time. <laughs> It, it's worth mentioning that this is kind of a make-or-break moment because whichever one of the parties blinks here is basically done. Like, it, it's... So much of their current positions are founded by a fundamental fact of uh, the Brexit situation that doesn't get widely talked about but is the determining factor, and it's that almost two-thirds of constituencies voted to leave. And so a party that's competing for most seats has to at least placate the levers. Whereas a group that would be thrilled to get as much as the remaining 35 or so percent of seats doesn't have to and can go extremist and can truly embody what you actually want as a Remainer. So don't keep compromising for this Jeremy Corbyn. And so there, there are two paths here. Either the Labour Party concedes that their leader should not be running the government if the if the country is to be united. In which case, Labour loses the next election, the Tories get in and do Brexit, and, like, you know, Brexit happens. Or the Liberal Democrats fold. Uh, the Liberal Democrats concede their position as not being the most correct people around Brexit, so vote for us progressive middle-class people. Um, and the Liberal Democrats 
uh, lose the only selling point that they have at this point. And so that's that's fundamentally what it comes down to. Like, whichever of these parties concedes is going to lose dramatically at the next election, which theoretically is coming quite soon. And so you can see why they're trying to make the other blink and both are perfectly capable of framing an argument where if you accept all of their premises, their arguments seem fair. Um, but also, like, we lose much less if the Liberal Democrats bite the bullet on this one. Like, because it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so much that, like, the ideal outcome of the, like, Jeremy Corbyn getting in and getting through is a second referendum and the possibility of legitimately staying in the EU. Yeah, you've got to remember... Which is ostensibly the, what Joe uh, Swinson yeah, wants. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, they are getting... I think this is the point from Barry Gardner basically saying they won't take yes for an answer because they've been going on about wanting a second referendum with Remain on the ballot for ages. And now they're getting that and they're just like, oh, well, we can't do it if it means Corbyn become prime minister. Well, it's because they don't want to take yes for an answer because they the main thing they want is not yeah. to stop Brexit. The main thing that they want is to increase the Liberal Democrats' power in British politics because that's what every party fundamentally want before they even want their principles they want the power to enact their principles and that's that's the that's kind of the first duty of a political party and so the idea that they would go ah fair dues jeremy corbyn's with us on this one vote labor like there's there's no reason that they would do that even if it were extremely obvious that their logic of well we can't support jeremy corbyn because there are people who won't support Jeremy Corbyn, therefore we can't support Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> do you know what would convince some Tories to maybe invest in Jeremy Corbyn and that it's okay to do that? The Liberal Democrats biting, in, biting yeah. the bullet and investing in Jeremy Corbyn as the person and to go behind You've got to remember, this isn't just... These people are throwing their toys out of the pram that Jeremy Corbyn can Prime Minister just for a limited period of time to then get a general election sorted that would grant us an extension because the EU have said we can have an extension if there's something oh but that's so much worse because the gen <laughs> that general election would guarantee that the party to get what you basically like the path to what you basically want uh, to happen with Brexit Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Remainer is to vote Labour yeah. that's the worst case scenario for the Liberal Democrats exactly and that's why they won't, they won't get on board with this plan they could have also, we mentioned this last week, previously backed the Labour attempt to stop No Deal in the summer, but they didn't. No, of course not, because that was <laughs> Labour's thing. Their thing is... And the is... Remainer Tories as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a few that have come out saying they'll back they'll back this No Confidence motion and they'll back Corbyn as Prime Minister. Guto Beb, I think, is one of them. Yep. Ken Clark, I'm pretty sure, is going to be on board with getting this sorted. Um, There's even apparently Liberal Democrats who internally are saying we should probably do the Corbyn thing. Yeah, like it's, a, it's our one shot if we genuinely care and about And like grassroots members. There's been a lot of it more more on Twitter saying, yeah, normally I'm like on board with this, but like this is the one time where I'm like completely at odds with the leadership. And it feels like they've really kind of overplayed their hand a bit in terms of like what the actual base of the Lib Dems want. But the base to of the like... Liberal Democrats is not what matters. What matters is all of the columnists and opinion makers yeah. and figures in the public sphere who just want nice centrism where nothing changes again. Like, they just want to be finished with politics and so they want to vote for the Liberal Democrats because the Liberal Democrats will stop all this silly politics. Anyway, um, this vote is probably going to happen September 3rd, 4th, 5th. Uh, today is the 26th. We may get an episode out before then. Excellent. A speculative I'm, thing. I'm already longing for death. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit 
after this sort of hoo-ha with the Lib Dems, I'm, I'm a little little bit less optimistic about this vote of no confidence actually going through, yeah. being a thing. And then where we are after that is not really anywhere we, anywhere yeah. progress can be made to well, stop no deal. if you care about, uh, like, if your first priority is stopping Brexit, you don't share that with really any of the parties because the party's first concerns are all making themselves as like electable and able to get power as possible but primarily you do not share it with the liberal democrats because the liberal democrats would rather get like you know um 60 more seats than lose out and put in place a labor government that will potentially stop brexit because here's the thing the liberal democrats stealing a bunch more uh, remain support away from labor doesn't make Remain more likely. It just makes the Tories winning and doing yeah. Brexit more likely. And obviously they can't admit to this because the party line for any major political party has to be, we're going to be the majority at the next election. But any conversation that considers that the Liberal Democrats have a comparable political priority to the cause of actually uh, stopping Brexit or finding a way to a lighter Brexit than Labour is fundamentally unserious. Let's leave it there. This has been Off The Fence. Soundcloud.com slash Off The Fence is where we are on there. You can follow and also subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter as well, at Off The Fence Talk. Do indeed. Abby Wilkinson follows us now. If we're good enough for Abby Wilkinson, <laughs> who just, congratulations, by the way, had a baby, uh, why are we not good enough for you? If I can get with the programme, <laughs> follow us on Twitter. Do it. Thanks for listening. I've been James Fox. I'm Alex Maskell. Cheers.